up that diesel. Um, 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 let's go diesel. Um. Considering it was an 0-4 Bears team and they lost 14 straight on a Thursday night, no less. Like, you fly from Chicago for a game, motherfucker. Uh, there, was, there was a good amount. It was a good amount. I'd say less than, like, less than like 15%, but still, like, you know, they were, they were out there. And they were whooping our ass. <sighs> up and down the field, bro. I, I, when they scored that touchdown to go up 27-3, to I, I thought it might be another, like, like boat race sort of thing in our in in you know was happening i was like they might lose this joint by 50 tonight they just looked so fucking lifeless you know hats yeah. off to them to, to make it in the game but uh that first half was as ugly a first half i've seen them play in, in a long time like i think i tweeted out during the game like the monday night massacre in 2010 uh that I, I, it might have been 2018 when we started uh josh not josh we started uh not josh johnson uh mark sanchez 2018, we lost to the Giants in a game where, like, Saquon Barkley went nuts in the first half and we lost by, like, 40. Yeah. That joint. And, and, and Thursday, those are, like, the like the three worst first halves I remember them playing, like, in, like, the past, like, 10 years or so. Just, like, can, those are the three that pop out, like, instantly in my head. I consider that one the worst one. The Giants one? The Bears one. Oh, why do you say that? The Bears on a 14-game losing streak. I mean, th- these are facts. These are facts. Six-point favorites. They were down 24 to the Bears. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. You know what's that first half was just crazy. Yeah. I was going to say it's wild that they wanted the ball. They won the toss. You never see teams not defer to the second half. They had a plan to, to march down the field on us, and it took them like six plays. And remember I had said it seems like teams are scheming their first 20 plays, the scripted 20 plays, and it's destroying our defense. They are just yeah. marching. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what it is. It's got to be something. I mean, I don't know if it's the cornerbacks uh, because they, they've been beating us with double moves. I mean, they showed it the past two weeks. The A.J. Brown and D.J. Moore will kick, will kick our cornerbacks' asses with double moves all day. Uh, but they definitely have our number. Uh, I don't know what Jack is going to do to fix that because right now it's, it looks so bad. I don't know what step one would be to fixing it. No idea. Well, you remember, I think, the first year that we had a good defense, we were only good in the second half of games. I remember them not starting games, right? Mm-hmm. This year, yes. l- last year, it was a slow start to the season. It, it, this is really just, well, not just big plays. You're giving up chunk passing plays, like chunk. Third and 14 inside the red zone. You gave up a touchdown, right? Like, you're, you're, it's bombs away on the second there. Now, I don't really know what – if you think about it outside the Arizona game, it's been bombs away every week. The Broncos game was Mims. Had yeah. some deep balls from Allen. Obviously, A.J. had a huge game. Now it's D.J. Moore. Next week it'll be, I mean, Derek Drake Slayton. London. Uh, uh, this coming week. I don't know. Yeah. It'll be Van Jefferson for all we know. <laughs> I, I just – I don't know how – I don't know how, and we, and we can talk about coaching and new DB coach, et cetera. Why aren't people doing their job? <laughs> Did you see that uh, t- 
timestamp, by the way, it is Wednesday afternoon, um, five minutes to five um, in the afternoon. I just saw that somebody tweeted out, I remember in like Matthew Paris, that there's a new sign up above the door in the locker room in Ashburn saying, do your job on some Bill Bell check shit. We, we got to talk about Ron in a little bit because I feel like Ron has now like moved on from like the serious part of his coaching job is like now it's just like he's full of just uh, antiquated tricks and and bad sound sound bites for the media. It's just like I, I don't know, man. I, I wish Ron would just do less just for the sake of just just keeping the hounds at bay, because right now I feel like he's just like he, he's catnip to the media because they know every time they ask him a question, he's in a, like spit out some stupid ass con uh, convoluted explanation or answer or whatever. It's just like, yo, yo, just say less, do less. Yeah, but guys, but on deep, when shit like that is going on, it's because guys aren't doing their job. No, you are right about that. You're right, like right about that. that's the if you're constantly blowing coverages, there's missed assignments. It's because people aren't doing their job. Mm-hmm. And I, and I, I don't know, man. What do you think the fix is? I mean, do you think that it's a teaching point? Maybe the the the, the coaching isn't setting in the way they thought it would? Do you think the players are just not playing up to their capabilities in, in some other way? I mean, they seem to switch the scheme up a little bit. I don't I don't really know why, right, from last year. I thought continuity was the whole point, right? Wasn't that supposed to be a bright side that you, you were you were bringing back the same system? But it sounds like it's yeah. not the same system. Mm-hmm. You got Forbes who, when you drafted him, you said it's because he's a great system fit. But you're not playing that system anymore. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. This one I'm I'm a little confused on. I'm gonna give them the benefit of the doubt because yearly they have always managed to turn around the second half of the season. So I'm gonna still afford them that. But yeah, no, I I hear you. I think that in the secondary they and uh, you know we we haven't mentioned that they have now lost two safeties this week. Uh, Derek Forrest. Fractured shoulder. He's on the IR. Uh, I think they said that Jim Reese partially tore his ACL. He's also going on, on IR. I don't know uh, a timetable on those injuries. I mean, I think they both could be back. I think they both could be done for the season. We, we just don't it know. It sounds yet. like Reese is done for the year. Yeah, I feel like a, tarsi, a partially torn ACL means you're, you're done for the year. A fractured shoulder, it's painful, and I'm sure the recovery sucks, but he could be back at some point. But even so, like, we, we saw the depth would be a, a, a sticking point for this defense. And not only are they not playing well, now they're all of a sudden thin. It's going to force Quan Martin to play. He hasn't played much yet. And um, in the preseason, he wasn't really getting like the best reviews. Who knows? He was turning the corner. Percy Butler has been okay, but you know, he, he's been a victim a couple of times this year too. Um, I, I don't know, man. It's just like, it seems like we thought this could be a strength of the defense and the secondary just hasn't panned down the way it was. And I also thought that they'd be a much faster, much faster unit because we heard so much about the speed this summer, how fast they were um, as a defense, especially in the secondary. And the, it's just not translating. I don't see it on, on Sundays when I turn on TV. I don't see that speed up there. Maybe they're thinking too much. And, and you, But you know what the injuries are going to do? It's going to mean you're not rotating a bunch of guys. Like, that was my concern going into the year, was that because of – their perceived depth, they're gonna, they were gonna feel the need to play a bunch of guys, right? And I don't think it's a coincidence that you're playing all these guys and it's leading 
some miscommunications. Like you're moving guys around a lot, a lot, right? Like shrinking that that um that rotation might be helpful. If they're moving guys around. It's I think that's part of what's leading to miscommunications, right? You see guys guessing because like one snap you're you're playing this position, but the next snap, oh, this guy's also going to be in. So now you're playing somewhere different. Um, but Percy's had a couple of rough spots when he's mm-hmm. playing on the back end. Yeah. Uh, don't know what the hell he was doing on that. No idea. <laughs> no idea. And, and that's the deal job thing. You, you weren't, you are freestyle, right? Like on that touchdown, he gave up. That's you doing something other than what you're asked to do on that play. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. um, let's move to the defensive line real quick because, you know, we, we saw them kind of get gashed uh, a little bit on Thursday night. And that's kind of been a consistent thing with them. They, they have been giving up a lot of rushing yards. I, I don't know if it's the totals have been crazy, but yards per uh, carry average have been high. And this has been it's coming back to the Arizona game. It was first it was Connor, then it was um, Javante Williams, then it was James Cook. And, you know, we, they kind of held uh, Swift in check a little bit, but then this past weekend, it was uh, Khalil Herbert doing his thing. And to their credit, I, I forgot who was telling me this week, but the defensive line, the PFF grades have, have kind of been favorable and saying they've been putting up some of the highest pressure uh, numbers in the league, and the runs uh, defense actually hasn't been that bad. If you look at it from their perspective, why has why they been so weak up front? Is it just the linebackers? Is it uh, – you know, it's a little bit of bad luck. What would you say from Cody, your perspective as a reason? Cody Barton, period. He's terrible. He's terrible. He's out there mm-hmm. every snap. He doesn't make any plays. He gets blocked. You regularly see him, for whatever reason, r- run to go get blocked. <laughs> like, I feel like there were plays, on, especially those third and sevens, those Herbert runs, mm-hmm. where Barton – was in the gap, but then just left the gap to let someone go block him. He is the worst player we've had in a while. <laughs> he really is. I've said it to y'all in the group chat. I think he should be cut. That's the level he's playing at. Yeah. He's playing at you shouldn't be on the field level. And when you watch any run where we get gashed, he is, there is someone with two hands on him all the time. Does he shed blocks ever? Nope. I barely even see him make tackles. I thought yeah. he's good. In, he's he's terrible. He's terrible. Yeah, he, he he truly isn't good. We had said this in the past on a couple of podcasts ago. He just isn't physical at all. Like yeah, he runs. He he definitely has a little bit of speed. But you know, a big part of being a linebacker is to shed blocks, to engage blockers, and and try to you know disengage as soon as possible so you can make a stop. Like not only is he taking bad angles to get to the hole is like he's making he's making his mistakes in in such a way that he can't take advantage of the fact that he's getting to the spot quickly but then he gets blocked and then just quickly disappears from the screen or he's just taking bad angles and and is a detriment because now like that blocker is free to go block somebody else who actually is in position it's just you know he, he just thinks they much they would have been much better served to just pay Cole Holcomb the six you know I know that he's been hurt Holcomb has been a good player and I just I can't help but think about how different the defense would be right now if they had just brought Cole Holcomb back instead of trying this thing with Cody Barton. I, I just don't know, man. 
You can even put Kalik out there. There's no way he'd play worse than that. There's no way. Well, I mean, I, I see today that uh, Emmanuel Forbes, you know, he wasn't with the starting group of cornerbacks today. I think Dan Johnson was the starting cornerback. They're, they're feeding him in. Um, but I don't, I don't think that he's now like the unquestioned third cornerback on the field come Sundays. Do you think that they should play somebody over Cody Barton at this point? He has the blue, the green dot, which to me is like, yo, if he's the only person that can wear the green dot, then the co- I mean, you're probably just a badly coached team. Like that's my. Opinion. I don't give I don't give a shit what die he got. He needs to be <laughs> sitting on the bench at best. At best. You, so you, you don't pin this on the D line much, uh, dude. I will every say every run, every mm-hmm. inside run. He's literally <laughs> there's two hands on him. It says something that on every third and medium or third and to like long to medium they're not worried about just running like they're not running a draw these motherfuckers are running belly <laughs> they're right. these motherfuckers are, are just running duel on third and eight easy first down gain of 12 i'm like yo where is anybody where the fuck is cody barton where is jamin davis he's been playing better by the way i this isn't meant to be a a dig at jamin davis i think he's been fine uh, but having cody barton on the field on every down by the way he's not like in a rotation whatsoever. He's playing 100% defensive snaps. He is a liability. You might as well be playing 11 on 10 out there for real. In the run game, we damn for sure are playing 11 on 10. So. Well, th- that's not uh, good considering we have a very complex run game coming to town or facing a very complex run game on Sunday when we go to Atlanta. But we'll get to that a little bit later on the podcast. Um, the one thing I do want to mention, though, I, it seems like Jonathan Allen, I had mentioned that I think that he's not uh, flashing as much as the other three guys. Do you think he could still be hurt? You know, he started the season a little bit banged up. He hasn't just, he hasn't been the same this year, I feel. I think he's getting double teamed. That's probably also possible. Yeah, I think he's just facing a ton of double teams. I I, I feel like him and his impact isn't at the same level as maybe it was last year, but we're also getting – it's also different when you keep giving up huge plays, right? Like mm-hmm. – Montez gets a big sack. I think it was on the first drive. Now it's third and 14. You're thinking, okay, defense actually kind of stepped up to end this drive. Let's get off the field, field goal. You give up a touchdown in the corner of the end zone, right? These are like third down plays or secondary is not making plays. To me, the D-line is playing well. It's just it's hard when – in the run game, because what in the run game they can only do but so much. Unless we want them to make every tackle for loss, is that what we're asking of them? The, what the fuck is the middle linebacker supposed to do on run plays? <laughs> I have not seen Cody Barton fill a gap a single time this season. Not where the ball I, was being run. Honestly, at this point, I, I almost would prefer to see like a David Mayo. I can't believe I'm saying that. I can't believe these are the words that are coming out of my mouth right now. David Mayo would be a much better look right now than than what Cody Barton has given you. We know what what David Mayo can't do. We're all well aware of that. But we also know what he can do. You know, he's a decent run defender, right? You can count on him to make tackles when the tackle's within his grasp. What Cody Barton can do is nothing at this point. Like, I, I have not seen a single redeeming quality to his game right now. I don't, I don't mean to make this only a Cody Barton thing because defense has been bad in different spots. I, I just think that he's just, he's not long for this team. He, I'm with you. If I could cut him today, I would. If, he should not be playing on Sunday this Sunday. We'll see. I, I, that's going to tell me the mentality of this staff. If that guy's if 
first down, that guy is out there because he shouldn't be. Uh, on a brighter note, Chase Young, man, is fifth in the league in pressures. Uh, I, I would take this time to be petty. Um, we have a short podcast today, so I'm going to have to skip the petty part right now. But we did tell y'all so. <laughs> a lot of y'all were so quick to write this man off and, and say that he was washed with it or that he was a bust. And, this, and, you know, whatever. He has not played much in the past two years. But I think that we all knew that Chase Young was – he could certainly turn around and become a good player. It hasn't really translated to, like, sacks and game-changing plays yet. But the fact that he is fifth in the NFL in pressures and he played one less game says that this man is definitely on a mission. What do you think? I mean, Chase is not a good player. Chase is a great player. I don't know why our fan base seemingly forgot that. 2020 was a down season for everyone on this, not just Chase, okay? They, I don't know, you know, when you tear your ACL and then some, then you return. You, you, you take your time to return. People criticize you for it. Then when you do return and you don't look like, like you literally don't look like the guy that you were pre-injury, they say that you're done, even though it's like, well, I'm coming off ACL surgery, right? Chase is a dog. That's why he went number. He's not, he didn't go third round, okay? He was the number one player on the majority of boards going into that draft. He is of that level as, as a player, period. And, and he doesn't even feel like he's playing his best football. Yeah, I agree. It was just funny to see. Um, I, I'm not going to name names. that I don't want to conjure his anger or the anger of his uh, supporters. But uh, there was a well-known blogger in town, former blogger in town, that has been banging this drum that uh, Chase Young, is his lane discipline hasn't been good. And I feel like that's something that, like, the talking heads, like the Matt Paris or the uh, Kevin Sheens of the world, the Ben Standings have been kind of banging that drum as well. But then somebody who grinds tape, Mark Bullock, who I really trust, was like, I, 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 not so fast. I think that y'all are just kind of not seeing this for what it is. Chase has been playing fucking amazing. Y'all just don't know what you're looking at. Uh, and, I'm not and, seeing your and, and you're also make, exaggerating something that you don't actually understand. Exactly. That's exactly my point. I don't, you know, I don't claim to be some guy who grinds the film and I don't, you know, understand the the very advanced concepts of defensive schemes. But, you know, I've played football my entire life. I coached, you know, for a while, like high school players. and that. Like, I have a basic working understanding of how defensive works. Like to say that Chase Young is always out of his rush lane is just patently false. It is not true. When I watch him, is he perfect? No, he doesn't think he's a clean up. But he is a damn good player, and he's flashed maybe more than anybody on the defensive line so far this year, which is saying a lot because contrary to like what we're saying and contrary to like belief of this defense that's giving up 30 points plus a game, the line's been fine. The defense line's been okay. But you know what? My thing with the lane stuff is all the top D-linemen do it. They all do it, all of them, especially the, the teams with good D-lines. They do it. They're not doing it all the time, but they're definitely plays where I see Nick Bosa go inside and the quarterback's able to get outside. This like he's trying to win inside on that play. Turn them turning it into like uh, because you know how they're what they're trying to do is paint it like Chase is being selfish. That's their whole angle with this stuff. These people think Chase is selfish. So when they try to paint this whole lane and gap integrity, those conversations 
that is them trying to imply that Chase only cares about his numbers. He doesn't really care about the success of the team. Yeah, That's what they're trying yeah. to do. And that shit annoys yeah. the hell out of me. And it, why it also annoys me is because, like, bigger picture, these people are trying to draw a narrative that this two and three team, you know, we're not defending the loss. The loss was unforgivable in a bunch of ways. But, like, that the season is over and, like, the sky is falling. And, see, we told you they were, this team wasn't good. And maybe they're not, but it just, they're looking for reasons to, like, explain to the fans why that's happening. And there are lots of reasons why it is happening. But I think some of the educated fans realize that Chase Young is not one of the main culprits of what's going on to this defense. And they're just kind of being like, oh, look what Chase Young is doing. He's being selfish again. Maybe he's not the player we thought he was. I was like, can you can you please not serve me this like fifth grade interpretation of defense and actually like talk to me like I know what I'm I'm seeing with my eyes, you know? Right. Also, why sense? are you, also why are you rooting against them? Like, why are you seemingly rooting against them? I don't understand. That's the part that I don't get about shit like this. It's like it se- it's like it seems like because I know who you're talking about as far as the blogger, mm. and I remember the tweet <laughs> in the tweet. He's like, he's playing well, but, and it's almost like, it's like, it seems like you don't want him to play well because he, he's playing well, but here you are saying, well, but is he doing the right things? It's, I'm, yeah. it's funny. The owner's gone, right? So they don't get the bitch about him all the time. Mm-hmm. Seemingly, they were waiting. You know, that Bears game sort of took our fan base backwards. Like, the team went back a couple steps. So did the fan base after that game. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, while we're on the subject, I wasn't talking about the offense, so we might as well get set the way now. So Josh Harris came out this weekend. Um, one, I guess he didn't come out this week. Joe, he sees the An- Joe, Josina Anderson. My fault. Josina Anderson. Um, as a source that was saying that Ron Rivera and Jack Del Rio's job is secure for now. They're kind of in wait-and-see mode. Um, some of the uh, limited partners were chirping, and maybe they're not as uh, not as patient as Josh Harrison and some others and want to see some changes made. Now, why does it seem like there's this sweeping rush from the fan base and the media to, to ask why Ron Rivera is not on his way out? Oh, because Thursday was embarrassing. That was embarrassing. Mm-hmm. Owners were, we had the owners there, multiple owners. You embarrass Magic John. Like that was uh, that was an embarrassing performance. And had they fired Ron after that performance, I'd have been like, mm, I mean, I totally get it. It was yeah. That was a fuck. That was a fireable performance. I put it like that. Yeah. And, and there are I... a lot of people that wanted Ron gone anyways. They wait. They're waiting. They're just waiting because Ron is not. There's no. There is no target anymore right we don't have a Wentz this year Snyder's gone Ron is the target is the target for the fan base in the media this year. yeah yeah uh I definitely could see that and I was with you I tweeted out when I was at the game as I was leaving it's just like this loss was so bad it changes everything you know it might have doomed the entire regime just like from just the Marty's down to Ron to assistant coaches this loss could fucking just just cost all of your jobs, no matter how the rest of the season goes. It was that ugly. But I feel like once Clura held and prevailed, you realize that firing Ron right now really doesn't do anything. Not only do not coaches get fired on October 10th, October 11th, it's way too early, 
it's a it's also would appear very reactionary from a guy who just bought the team. Yeah. Also, you're two and three. Like, relax. I think the concern with the for the owners was more so, and the issue with Thursday is the honeymoon is over, right? You you sort of on Thursday you lost all your games. The revenge, this 2023 team did, right? So our next two games are on. What is that crowd gonna look like when we play Philly at home? It's gonna be a lot of Philly fans. It's gonna it's 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 that's the part that you've lost because it's gonna go back today. Unless you unless we win both these games here. It's gonna go back to like these aren't really home games sort of environment. I think that's what the owners have been trying to fight against, and I actually think that's the kind of thing that will cost Ron. But they're fighting the uphill battle already, and you making these inexplicable in-game moves and the roster mismanages, you know, hurting the effort to turn this thing around. So I definitely can see that. Um, I just don't want fans. To think that, you know, just firing Ron will fix everything. Um, I know he's not popular around here these days. I'm not saying that I want Ron to remain the head coach of this team either. I'm not saying that he's the biggest issue that we're facing. I'm saying he was the right guy to hire at the time. At some point soon, his message may have gotten stale and I kind of move on. But today is not the day. You got to, you know, just understand that the time and place of firing doesn't really improve anything. It's just, it's a It's a panic move. Only play five games. People need to calm down. True. All right, let's move around to the offense real quick. Um, Got to talk about Sam Howell first. His most productive day from a yardage standpoint, for sure. Um, the AU, he had some up and down moments. Was sacked five times again. Um, that remains a problem. Why do you think they couldn't get anything going in offense until the second half? Um, not saying that was on Sam specifically. I mean, he definitely threw for a, yard, a lot of yards, but, um, you know, the it didn't really translate to a lot of first half points. Yeah, first half of the offense was a little disjointed, right? I think it started with a bad spot on a Logan Thomas catch. Should have been a first down. Was it converted a couple of third and shorts? Plus, the other team was just doing whatever they wanted. So every time you got the ball back, they scored again. You know, uh, second half they played all right. First half, yeah, I mean you're right. They they ended up with three points in the first half, and he threw a pick. Is what the sacks thing? It's like, yo, how many dropbacks did he have? Holy shit, right? Like he, he set a record for consecutive dropbacks. I didn't, I, I didn't um, feel like like the sacks were some huge problem because there were a lot of drops. They're gonna be sacks when you drop back that much. Um, yeah, especially down, especially when you're trailing in that in that manner. <laughs> I feel bad for the guy because none of us going into the season thought we were going to need to score 30 points every week. Like, yeah. who, who thought that? Is yeah, you... no, nah, I, I, I hear you on that. Uh, no, my bad, let me cut you off. I, I was actually on that he's he's under a lot of pressure. I don't think there was a scheduled or a, a planned, like, uh, running play. Like, there wasn't a scramble or a broken play after midway through the second quarter. You know, it was all on Sam. They put a lot on Sam's plate. They trust him to – uh, run offense. I mean, you can argue whether or not that plan is wise. They, they almost got back into the game. Yeah, no, they right? did. I mean, Joey Sly needs to make his, like Joey Sly needs to make that field goal. Who knows? You know what I mean? It's now a one score game. The Bears' offense had sort of slowed, started to slow down the second half. They've put a lot on his plate. He did. He didn't look overwhelmed with it all. He made some good throws. It's just that is a 
you're gonna get a, you're gonna get nice numbers in the end in that kind of environment, but we shouldn't need that many points versus the Bears. The Bears scored forty points. That's just I'm dumb. Inexcusable. I, I would have been my stomach. <laughs> now nah, it definitely was a lot of us. Um, I was I left right after the Joey Sly miss, and I'm walking through the concourse looking at the TV, and I like look up just in time to see DJ Moore score that last touchdown. I'm like, yo, they really gave up. 37 to the Bears, and end up being 40 somehow. I'm like, yo, a 40-burger, the Bears, mm-hmm. like, you, you've seen this team be ass on offense for four straight weeks. They came to your house on a short weekend just ripped and just destroyed your defense with ease. It's like Basically, it's a get-right game. DJ Moore came here and came to D.C. and just completely destroyed him. Yeah. So, yeah, Hal, yeah, I thought Hal was okay at the start of games, but on the other end, it's like they would have needed to score 41. I don't think that was going to happen. Yeah. yeah, I'm genuinely surprised that they couldn't get anything going against the Bears, especially considering they had, what, four rookies or three rookies in the secondary? They were losing people on offense and defense throughout the entire game. Um, it, it just, I, I just, I want to put, like, my finger on it, but I just, it's inexplicable how the offense was so flat before halftime. I, I just, I don't I they know. Were flat. I thought it was more like, you know how those how games are. You end up in a third and one. You hand the ball off to Robinson. D-tackle blows it up. All right? Normally, you kick it back. You get the ball back. It's still 7 nothing. We kicked it off. They scored. Right? Like, we went. So, we did it. We get stopped on that third and short. Kick, punt it back. They score. We get the ball back. Same thing sort of happens again. Third and short. Their guy makes a play. You kick it back, they score again. Like that's tough. You don't yeah. you, you don't expect to be in a game where obviously you need to convert that third and one. But I feel like when the other the team slowly went into like a state of like shock, like what is going on here? And I, you can see it permeate across the team. You can see it by the looks on guys' faces. Guys were confused. Yeah. Like what the hell is going on? Getting smoked by the Bears. <laughs> yeah, I think I think dudes definitely were just like dumbfounded. I personally was like, I don't, I, I this is inexplicable. And I know they probably expect to beat the Bears too. Uh, I know that they know these are also paid athletes who are out there, you know, battling like nobody's anybody's chump. Anybody can be anybody. But I think you have kind of moved off that point. Like whereas a fan base. We were expecting bad things to happen to this team. I think the team expects to be good week to week, and you could tell they were like, "Yo, I know this isn't happening right now." Like, right? Because they weren't we, just we able to beat the Bears. They weren't just losing; they were getting stomped. They get stomped out by the Bears. I think the team was just like, "What?" Like in the Matrix, they were like, "What is going on?" Like nothing was going right for the team. Uh, it was it's like these third and seven runs that are just being converted with ease. It sort of felt like we were facing Mahomes or some shit in the oh. first half. It's like, why is it? Why, why do they seem so unstoppable? I don't understand what's going on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, how do you feel the old line played on Thursday night? I I don't have as much of an issue with them. I think they are steadily getting better. They still just have like just minor gaffes, like individual gaffes that lead to these sacks. I feel as a unit, they're playing somewhat better. What did you see from them this this past week? I feel like as a unit, they're exceeding our expectations. Our QB just likes to hold on to the ball a lot. But I would say overall, they probably play better than we could have we could have hoped for. Especially when you look at the 
look at like their win rates and those things. They're playing better than we today. Yeah, yeah. I I do notice individual just like like bad effort plays like uh, on that first drive on the third and one where B. Robert stuffs in the background uh, backfield. You see Nick Gates just getting blown up and mm-hmm. by a couple just bad plays against his former team. Wiley is good for a couple bad plays a game. You know I think Cosme's been all right for the most part. Same thing with Sadiq. They've been relatively healthy. I don't think that they're banged up in any way. I think that they get a lot of heat for just being a bad unit. I, I don't think that the eye test passed what, like, the perception is of, of them. Like, they're just a, a bad unit with bad players, and they're always going to be bad no matter what. I think they're they're decent. They could be better. Definitely yeah. could be better, but I don't think they're, they're that horrible. I think they won against the Eagles, who are considered one of the best D-lines there is, and they held their own versus the Eagles. Yep. Right? They didn't look yeah. overmatched. I think they... I think what they are is just an unknown group. So it's easier. If it is much, people feel way more comfortable criticizing the O line because the O line doesn't have any pedigrees. There's not a single first round, former first round pick in that group. Correct? Yeah, there's like, there's no, and there's a bowler in that group. Is Lennon in a Pro Bowl? Maybe it's like a, it's a ninth alternate. <laughs> and that's what I can think of now. So it's easy to, for people to like look at them and see them as a point of criticism. I think obviously they're going to be reps that they lose. They're not going to win every rep. We know we know what Leno struggles with, but overall, definitely played better than hope for. Yeah, there's a tweet going around. Uh, I, not tweet Zeet. Uh, thanks, Elon. I'm not even sure what the fuck to call it these days. But there's something going around on that social media platform right now. We're talking about the O the, the O nine the 2019 line. And how it's downgraded over the past four years. And what I would say to that is, like, keep in mind, folks, uh, you know, that 2019 line that Ron inherited was doomed to fail. Like, no matter what you think about the Ron and Trent situation, it was not going to be easy for Ron to bring Trent back after we had gone through the previous year. Morgan Moses got old. Sheriff was never going to be back for a second contract. Rulier didn't even emerge till 2020, then promptly got hurt and then retired. You know, it, it's like, yeah, Ron's. Big mistake has probably not stocking or restocking the O line in the way that would feel a more competitive O line. But at the same time, like thinking that 2019 line would still be here today is unrealistic on, for, on several levels. Well, people, I think people just sort of people. I like to go back. There's a couple of shows I listen to where they sort of co- they sort of talk about a pop culture story in the context of how it was talked about during in review, right? So we're not, we're gonna, we're gonna talk about how some major pop culture story was covered in 1994. Not us reviewing it, like looking back, because you miss a lot of stuff. A lot of people say things in 1994 that they wouldn't say in 2023, right? People forget that we used to complain about how our O-line was never healthy. Yeah, never healthy. That was a thing. Right? The sheriff was never healthy. Um, Morgan Moses is not better than Andrew Wyatt. They're probably the same level of player, for being real. right? Mor- Morgan was just our guy. Like, we drafted him, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, mm-hmm. Who was the left guard? Uh, uh, in, 2019, in 2019, Flowers. it was Eric Flowers, yeah. Sadiq Eric Flowers and- came back to town, asked for, like, didn't you want like, $10 million a year? We're like, I, I mean, no. Like, like the, uh, the Tyler creator, me was like, uh, nigga. Oh. 
<laughs> Charles is playing better than that guy. They, look, they did not invest in the offensive line. They should have. It's apparent. Teams that have invested in their O-lines, I would love to have the Lions O-line. That would be fucking amazing. We would have loved to draft them. I'm pretty sure they would have loved this draft. There was I no mean, tackle there. I mean, you saw it. The, the Bears took Darnell Wright like, at 11. I think that we all thought for sure that he'd be around end yeah. of that first first round. Yeah, so I mean, that's the part that makes it hard. I, I don't know if the, the free agency market wasn't necessarily in the greatest place to find a hope. Why is it hard to build? Yeah. They really yeah. are. And, only only certain teams like like Philly always has own linemen. Like even they, you know, for every Jason Kelsey or Landon Dickinson or Lane Johnson, there's there's Andre Dillard in there. Like it's not easy to evaluate mm-hmm. these. Dudes. Right, it's not you're not going about a thousand. Charles looks like a player. Um, yeah, Cosme looks solid. The tackles aren't all pros. <laughs> that's just that, I think that's the part that makes <laughs> to say it the tough. least. To say yeah. the least, but. The last thing I'll say is, this is kind of looking down the line a little bit. They really need Ricky Strongberg and Brain Daniels to make that second year leap because you kind of locked in with Gates and Wiley contractually. I mean, not saying you couldn't get out of it if you didn't want to, but it would be nice to just have your guys just win those jobs over Nick Gates and Andrew Wiley if you could, or maybe not Wiley, perhaps Charles Leno. Whatever it is, you need those guys to actually be playing next year and not riding the bench. I think your first round pick needs to be a tackle next season, most likely. I think that that's a strong bet. <laughs> I think that you got to take the best available tackle whenever your first round pick is. I think that's, that's the move for sure. Let me ask you this, though. Uh, you look at the investments they made on the defensive line. What would make a team better? I think four, what team do you think turns out better? A team with four first round picks on the D line or a team mm-hmm. with five first round picks on the offensive line? What's more impactful to a team? What do you think? Yeah. Which one do you think would make a bigger impact? If we were to have, let's put it like this. Let's say we had five offensive linemen we took in the first round that were of the pedigree and caliber of the four defensive linemen we currently have. How well, much different or better it, would our team be? Would our team be better? I mean, we kind of experienced that. I'm not saying these were all first-round picks. Let's go back to 2015. Like, our offensive line was very, very good that year. 2015-2016, it was – I'm not going to remember the names off the bat. Now, Trent Williams is one of them. Morgan Moses was one of them. Maybe Spencer Long was in that group. He he wasn't as good. But, I mean, the O-line back then was considered to be a very good offensive line in the NFL. But, meanwhile, the defense was, what, like Ziggy Hood and Chris Baker. You couldn't stop anybody on third down. I mean, it's just – it, you, you win some and you lose some. Sometimes you're able to have a good O-line and even like the Lions have now. They just drafted incredibly well. But I, I, I think that you would face the same kind of issues. Like, well, the defensive line is now suspect, but the offensive line is great. Just get, you got to kind of just pick your spots. I, I didn't answer your question, but I don't know. Um, what, what do you think? What do you think your answer would be to that same question? If we had a, an offensive line, of the pedigree of our defensive line, they fucking own it. it. It would be the team would look very different. It would, right? Like our ability to control the clock, it would be different. Um, it probably ends up having a bigger impact. 
Because I, I mean, just, I just I, see this. I just see the way the Lions look, and to me, a major part of it's because of their how good their O line is. It's a big event because there's also not that many good O lines. No, we definitely have um, some dogs up front. I mean, they they invested heavily in their offensive line, like Frank Ragnow, Penay Sewell's out there. They have um, I, I, I'm forgetting names off the top of my head, but their offensive line is definitely I think top three. I would probably put like the Eagles. The Lions, and I mean, that might be the, the group, like the elite, elite group on top of the NFL. They both have outstanding also lines. But what would you say to the defense? Like, let, let's say like the defensive line right now, we're on par with the way our offensive line is perceived and the way they're playing. You, you'd be giving up tons of yards on the ground. You wouldn't have a pass rush. No, no. Cody Barton would look even your, worse. Your scheme would be, you would scheme different. I think right now, I think one of the issues I sort of feel like is that because the oh, the D line is so good and so talented, our scheme might be a little too simple, right? Like I think they might just be way too like, oh, we can get pressure with four, so we don't need to do anything else. Yeah, facts. It's facts. You know, okay. we don't really like if you see us game to game, we're not really doing anything fancy. Like we're just relying on the four for the most part when it comes to like generating ask. pressure. Let me ask you a question, and this, you know, is probably not a question that you can answer right now because it's so much is left in the season, so much is left to be written on this season. Is like, if you're going to try to like uh, invest assets into the offensive line, you know, knowing what you know currently with Chase Young and Montez Sweat, and with Deron and Allen being locked up long term, would you try to de-invest in the defense and kind of reallocate some of those assets to the offense, or do you continue continue to build on the strength of the defense right now? And just keep that group intact, whether it's a franchise tag or whether it's uh, locking up, you know, Montez and Chase long term or whatever. Like, what would you uh, prefer? I'm not giving up any blue, action. Be? I'm not letting any blue chip players leave. Period. If, like, if mm-hmm. you're if you're a blue chip player, you're not leaving. Yeah. Especially yeah. If, Sam, if if the quarterback is going to be making is going to be a 700k cap hit. It's like, then what's the point? Mm-hmm. What's the point of having the uh, the cheap QB, if that also means I'm letting blue chip players walk. No, no, I feel you on that. That's definitely not something that I'm looking forward to. I, I, I think that they need to play more like blue chip players sometimes. And I, I know that, you know, I'm talking on both sides of my mouth because I was just saying how good the offensive line has been. But I, it'd be nice to see them just completely take over a game once. Them, but you're okay, like, two of them. Listen, yeah. really, the thing is, the chase contract conversation is going to be Interesting. If he keeps this up, he like if the if if the production gets starts matching some of the underlying stuff, then you are gonna like you can franchise him, sure, but he's gonna be do a lot of money, a lot of money. So I mean, maybe you know, top of your head, how was the franchise tag comparable to the fifth year option? For defensive ends. There's got to be more, because he's also set number two player. Yes. <laughs> Most definitely. So, I mean, either way, they're gonna, he's going to be costing you a lot of money next year. Either way. Oh, oh, and yeah. it, that kind of also reopens the conversation. Like, I thought that we all, like, kind of were leaning towards Montez being like, okay, well, Montez is now the leader in the clubhouse, because now that it's looking like, you you know, you already paid pay, Allen. Payne earned his contract, so now it's like, okay, we Maybe we can pay one of these two next guys. And when the fifth-year option wasn't given to Chase, I thought you might have been leaning towards Montez. 
now I'm swinging back the other direction. Like, do you think that all four of them are still in play, or is it now like I'm starting got to be here? I'm starting both of them. I'm bringing both back. There's just no reason not to. And the the last thing I'll I'll say about this, because I'm glad you said that, because like let's say next year they can't sign a, a center or a guard, or let's say they can't bring back. Sadiq Charles, they have to invest assets in the O-line, but they're just not there because you've now signed two defensive ends to long-term deals, and you have four guys in the D-line with big contracts before you even pay Cam Curl. Like, how are you going to fix other glaring needs on your offense? What do you mean? Why, why is that? Why would that bankrupt them? They're going to have 80 million I mean, cap space. There is 80 million cap space plus whatever additional cap space you end up creating. There is no excuse. You have plenty of cap space, figure it out. 